This is Tire Information Whiskey, 2153 Zulu, wind 0605. Zero, zero, 06 Mike Juliet, this is Archer Radar Contact. Azure's weather information from Minnesota, available on flight service frequency. You've dialed in the Flying Midwest Podcast, connecting aviators from across America's heartland. Sharing news, information, and events from around the region. Sit back, relax, and join our crew for some hangar talk as we discuss a wide variety of regional aviation topics. And now, from our home at the Anoka County Blaine Airport, our checklist is complete and we're ready for departure for another episode of the Flying Midwest Podcast. What is going on, everyone? Jim here with the Flying Midwest Podcast. So happy you're able to join us. On this episode, we bring you part two of our interview with Kerry McCauley, author and ferry pilot. We talk more about his ferry flying, his time in the television program Dangerous Flights, and what's in store for him for the future. And as always, news and events from around the region with some friendly hangar talk along the way. So strap in and let's take off into this episode the Fly Midwest Podcast. What's up, guys? Hey, Trevor. How are you? Good. Hey, Trevor. Hi, Maddie. Hi, Trevor. Hi, Maddie. Hi, Trevor. Hi, Jim. Is, hi, I'm man. sorry, Jim. Is are you? Is your name Maddie? <laughs> no, I said hi, Trevor. And I yeah, said no, hi, said Jim. Hi to me, like four times. <laughs> I said hi, Maddie, like fifteen times. I know. That's why I kept responding. And then Jim had to butt in. Yeah, I had. I felt he left thought out. his name. No, I felt left out. <laughs> I was interjecting myself into the hellos. <laughs> so, Trevor, I saw on the internet machine, it looks like you've been doing a little bit of flying, my friend. Never trust the internet, especially what's on Facebook. <laughs> Spent the last 36 hours on the road. On the road again? Yep. Or in the sky. Two flights to get to Little Rock because, I mean, Little Rock's small, so why have one flight? Then took another road trip to get to the small airport, which was marginal VFR. And and I had the most scariest flying moment I've ever had. Oh, do tell. So I took off. I was legal. I just want to put that out there. I was perfectly legal. I think it was uh, 4,600 overcast like five statue miles and like light rain. So there's a lot of moisture. And keep in mind, the airplane sat for two months. Oh, sure. So I turned the heat on and instantly everything went IFR. All my windows fogged up to the point where I could not see the ground. Uh, that was probably the biggest pucker fact I've ever had. Considering it just happened 900 feet off the ground. Not the greatest time. And mountains and antennas and a bunch of other stuff which we really don't want to get into figuratively and literally. So went right to uh, right, right onto the instruments, making sure that I was wings level, and then took a rago and started wiping the windows. And here I am. Wow. So you, if anybody ever finds themselves in a situation where you are legal to take off and somehow your defroster pumped out a lot of moisture and you're fogged in, don't fret. Just do what I did. 
Would opening a window theoretically help? So what I did is I actually opened up both my air vents, you know, the ones that are that come off the, the wings. Yeah. And it took a long time. It took probably a good three or four minutes before I could actually start seeing outside the front. Yeah, that was not fun. You'd have made Charles Lindbergh proud. I think one of the interesting things to know from that story is whether it's IMC outside or you've created that condition inside, <laughs> you flew the instruments. In and an IFR equipped airplane. You sh- shouldn't have said that out loud. Partial panel. Wait, do you have an attitude indi- indicator? I have a full six pack. Okay. And then I don't have any sort of navigation on it, though. All I did is I just I pointed north and went wings level because I knew that's where the better weather was, and and I knew that I could get it popping around at twenty five hundred feet. The FAA has joined the chat. What does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, to be fair, what would you do in that situation? If you don't have autopilot or anything, you just kind of got to make do. I think exactly what he did. <laughs> I mean, you, you have to you have to figure it out. It's like get away from the ground. That's number one. Because once you get away from the ground and you, you can or keep yourself oriented, that's technically inadvertent IMC. That's a classic of you could not avoid that. Uh-huh. You know, that's not, not going into the clouds. It's, hey, crap, I just uh, blew a gasket. And now I've got a windscreen full of oil. What oh, do you sure. do? You know? Mm-hmm. To be fair, I think if you had to declare an emergency, like there's like almost nothing you can do or you would have been able to do. Because if you can't see out the windows, you're not going to be able to see the land. So it's not like you're going anywhere. Well, you just have to kind of keep it under control. So, I mean, you did you did the right thing. I'm just mentioning. It would have it taken me longer to actually dial up a frequency that was towered or center or something like that. Because literally, I was flying out of North Little Rock to not controlled airport. There's nobody that was flying because the, again, the ceilings and all that stuff were just too low. Could somebody say that I, I did it myself? I did it to myself? Yeah. But I could also have had it happen on a, on a sunny day where the defrosters haven't been ran and it was in a very moist environment. Now. Yeah, there's no way you could have foreseen that unless you have had it happen to you. So now right. you'll know, but that's one of those things that's so obscure that you couldn't possibly train. For. I mean, you can train for it in the, you know, flying IMC or uh, flying under the hood or whatever, but it's too specific. Like, and it those things that you just gather via experience and say, oh, yep, that's one I'm filing away for later and telling all my friends about because I've never thought of that before. You know, I'd I'd like to hear from our listeners who's been in that situation before, where it was complete whiteout, or I guess well, your whole inside of your windscreen fogs up essentially, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I've done it on the ground. Hard IMC. Hard IMC. Yeah, hard IMC interior in in the in the airplane. <laughs> Curious to see what people will yeah. say. I mean, it still counts. It's just nothing. Wait, can, can I it, log It's just that? an interesting concept that I can log it as IMC. Can I? <laughs> Were you, I, I need a few more hours. Were so. you flying in reference to the instruments? I, technically, I was. You're making you're making me think on that. No, I, I'm not a lawyer. So, I guess technically I was legal. I should log that. That is a Go very. I'm sure most people would say, well, to be on the safe side. But I'm sure that the only legal answer you could get from the is from the FAA, and I doubt they would even entertain that. They would just say no. Actually, hang on, hang on one second. You're I got the FAA, FAA right on the speed dial. Are you calling uh, the Brian Turner Rapid Pass, Fizdo? Yes. <laughs> hey, Brian, if you're, if you're listening, yes, I am. It was mentioned to me that we haven't mentioned Brian Turner's name in about three episodes. So um, 
It's oh, back. no. Restart yeah, the tally. That's horrible. How? <laughs> day zero. It has been zero days without a mention of Brian Turner. <laughs> so here, here it is. So quick question. I I know a guy. I have I have this friend. Asking for a friend. Asking. <laughs> if my airplane completely fogs up to the point I, I had to go on instruments, can I log instrument? See, I think the error you made in that message was if my airplane, when clear you meant um if my friend's airplane. <laughs> yeah. I uh flew about what, six and a half hours yesterday? Probably about the time I got to Fort Leonardwood, Missouri. Well, that's when everything cleared up and I got high and cruising along and made a Cedar Rapids last night, about 10 o'clock, just before the FBO closed. They were not happy with me. Oh. Did you tell them who you were? Well, I'd love obviously, with that. I'm kind of a big deal. I know. I'd love with that. <laughs> I'm Trevor Norman then, of the Flying Midwest podcast and a well-known Midwest geography expert. And actually, this is Midwest, <laughs> the, uh-huh. so I, I, can, I can plug this. Signature Flight Support, Barbie is her name, took fantastic care of me this morning. So I want to give her a, Good job, Barbie. a huge shout out for taking your time and, and helping me with figuring out the uh, the frost on my airplane. Oh, that's nice of her. Very early in the morning and making sure I was all taken care of and offering plenty of coffee and other caffeinated things and taking care of me. Thank Aww. you. Thanks, that's Barbie. Awesome. Hey, Jim, did you have any aviation? Um, yeah, I've been doing some studying as it turns out. Um, me and a little book about, um, the fundamentals of aviation instruction have been very close lately. Good grief is that print small. Either that or I'm getting <laughs> old. The print is so small in that book, but I've been doing a lot of reading. I'm starting the coursework for CFI and making it through the first few chapters and plugging away there. Awesome. Should we jump into some news and events? Sure. What do you guys got? Take it away, Jim. So we'll start out in Indiana. Aviation has had a $10 billion impact on the state in the last year. In a newly released report, the economic impact of aviation in the state is $10.3 billion. This includes $3.4 billion in income from more than 75,000 aviation-related jobs in the state. Some of the biggest highlights from the report include labor income from the airport employees topping $351.8 million, and GA airports in the state paid more than $173.6 million in taxes alone. So what I hear you say is it's a cash cow. Yeah, it's expensive. It's a cash cow, and we pay a lot of money for it. State officials note that the economic contributions of Indiana's aviation facilities represents only one type of benefit these airports and heliports offer Indiana residents and visitors. All right. How about the good old town of Rockford, Illinois? Looks like a couple weeks ago, the uh, governor of Illinois, local officials, and AR Corporation announced a $2.6 million investment to support and expand workforce training and pipeline development. So AR Corp, I had to look them up, but they are very big in the aerospace industry, and it seems like they do a lot for Rockford. So the Rockford Airport has a lot on the field, and they bring in a lot um, as far as not only just revenue, but also careers. So apparently the state of Illinois has been investing in this airport for a while, and this has helped AAR Corp's workforce. So they they do mechanics. So they hired 85 mechanics in 2019, but they want to see 350 hired in 2023, so this year. So the governor seems pretty adamant that 
um, investing in the airport and all the programs at the airport will advance opportunity for everybody in the northern Illinois area. As a state, um, he says they are already a transportation powerhouse. And by working closely with the aviation companies that are in Illinois, they are laying a groundwork to keep communities connected and competitive for years to come. So as I'm sure everybody in aviation knows, mechanics are being are very difficult to come by right now. You know, there's not a lot of people coming into the industry. And it's, you know, relatively as far as, you know, everybody wants to be a pilot, but not everybody knows about being an aircraft mechanic. So I think having this will definitely bolster that. Apparently, the airport supports more than 21,000 jobs and accounts for about $4.7 billion in economic impact. Good job, Illinois. You're putting money in the right place. Speaking of the mechanical side of things, the next story is out of Michigan and involves another pathway-type program. Western Michigan University has announced a program where they will partner with SkyWest Airlines to create a pathway program. Students who enroll in this program will be eligible for a variety of benefits and assistance through SkyWest Airlines as they work to complete a professional program. Students will receive things such as mentoring from experienced mechanics, enhanced company seniority, and up to $4,500 in education assistance at Credit Hour Benchmarks. This enhanced partnership with SkyWest is the latest in a number of high-profile industries who have partnered with the school to help individuals get an inside track on a successful career. So I think the point of these two articles specifically is that the industry is focusing on more than just the pilot shortage. Obviously, there are certain things that they need to consider to maintain these aircraft that everyone flies, and this is a big part of it too. Unless we want to talk about the balloon, we have no other news. That stupid balloon. Stupid darn balloon. They shot something else down over Alaska, but I, I wasn't told what. Another balloon. You weren't told what, like, were you expecting a phone call from the FAA and or the military? <laughs> no. <laughs> Maddie wasn't informed mine. what, but she was yeah, told right? something came down. No, a good friend of mine, he <laughs> said he didn't have the clearance. He just knew something got shot down. Everyone does because they put that on the news. Right. <laughs> All right, let's we'll we'll do this quick because I don't want to give China too much time here. Um, <laughs> so the big talk of the town between around 28th of January and the 4th of February, there is this large white high altitude balloon that was floating across North American airspace. It started out in Alaska, cruised through Western Canada, and then through some areas in the lower 48 until it was finally shot down over coastal territorial waters uh, near South Carolina. Trying to bring the China virus back. Is that what they're doing? I don't know. All right. So there are a couple of things that I I did fact check this a little bit as opposed to just going off of internet and creating some more lore like we did with the, uh, what was it, the ghost of Ukraine where we weren't really sure how factual it was, but we reported it anyway. So some interesting tidbits. The call sign of the aircraft that shot this balloon down. You guys hear what it was? No. Frank nope. Zero One, named after Frank Luke. Uh, who was a World War One aviator and ace, who had the nickname of the Arizona Balloon Buster. You're kidding. I'm not kidding. I'm not making this up at all. <laughs> he shot down 14 balloons that were observation balloons of the Germans during World War One. Huh. He also shot down a number of manned aircraft during those uh, missions and was awarded the Medal of Honor. That's excellent. Yeah. Luke Air Force Base is actually named after him as well. So, is it really? Yep. So Frank 01 was a call sign of the F-22s that shot this thing down. 
just as entertaining to me were all the memes that have been created mocking the F-22 drivers and their one air-to-air kill. <laughs> which is a balloon. But if they use the standards dating back to, you know, the early days of military aviation, and if, you know, Frank Luke can shoot down 14 of them and be considered and, an ace, then what the heck? I agree. All right. I don't know if this is, I mean, it's been reported that this isn't the first time these things have happened. It probably won't be the last. Um, not sure what else to say about it, other than it caused quite the disruption across the nation, and in some cases to air service, and shutting down <laughs> areas of airspace. This Wikipedia article on this balloon, though, um, is longer than a lot of things I, I see in Wikipedia. It's got a very lengthy page full of information. None of it fact-checked. Well, no, I just read it on this podcast, so it has to be accurate. That's right. <laughs> Well, that's some great news. How about some events? I'd love to tell you about some events. Let's do it. Starting things off, we head to EAA Chapter 320 out of the Watertown Municipal Airport in Watertown, Wisconsin. They will have a chili feed on Saturday, February 25th from 11 a.m. until 1 p.m. The identifier for that airport is Kilo Romeo Yankee Victor. Competitors will arrive at around 10.45 in the morning and sampling will begin at 11 a.m. Voting ends at 12.30, with winners being announced at 1 p.m. Attendees will vote for their favorite chili, and the popular vote will win. This is a free event for the community and operates on donation basis. If you'd like to check out that event, go to eaa320.com forward slash chili. Up next, it's back again, Iceport 2023. This event will take place on Saturday, March 4th, 2023, from 10 a.m. until 3 p.m. It will be on Lake Malax in Minnesota at Max Twin Bay. They will have a nice plowed iceway on the lake with skis and wheels welcome. For more information, check out facebook.com forward slash create lift. And wrapping things up, the North Dakota Aviation Association will host their annual conference for March 5th through the 7th, 2023 at the Bismarck Hotel. There are plenty of things to do there with lots of different educational conferences, breakout sessions for pilots, mechanics, aerial applicators, and airport operators. Registration is now open and first-time attendees will attend for free. You can reach out to admin at fly-nd.com for more details or visit the website fly-nd.com forward slash events forward slash conference. That will be in the show notes. So that's what I've got for events. (laughs) How thrilling. (laughs) What? (laughs) Go check some stuff out. So let's talk about this episode. Okay. And with the news and events put aside, let's continue our conversation with Carrie McCauley. Yes, we shall. Last episode was the first part of our interview with Carrie. And now we'll bring you the second part where he talks a little bit more about his adventures ferry flying, as well as his time on a Discovery Channel program involving his career ferry flying. Let's dive in. What kind of qualifications are they looking for now for people to fly ferry flights like this? Um, that's a good question. I have no idea. <laughs> One of the biggest challenges to becoming an international ferry pilot is most insurance companies, they want you to have experience on that leg. Like if you're going to fly the North Atlantic, they want you to have flown the North Atlantic before, before they'll insure you. But then it's kind of a catch 22 is like, I can't fly the North Atlantic until I've flown the North Atlantic. And you won't insure me until I've flown the North Atlantic, so how can I fly the North Atlantic? So basically, you have to somehow fly with somebody else and get that experience. You can do it in your own plane. You know, insurance companies will, you know, they'll charge you for it, but you can do it in your own plane. 
but to do it in someone else's plane, it's pretty tough. But typically, thousand hours plus and lots of cross country instrument, all your all your readings. So is the company covering the insurance, or is that something you have to do on your own? Company does, or, or you know, I do differently. You know, I'll I get hired personally by buyers and sellers. Plus, I work for ferry companies from time to time. So if I'm being hired personally, I have to I get my insurance. You know, I bill it back to the customer. You know, all their expenses and stuff. Easier for me because <laughs> I got over a hundred crossings and been doing it for thirty some years and have lots of time. So. Have you logged all your hours or did you stop keeping them? No, I, I, tr- I think I'm probably within 10% of an accurate logbook, probably closer actually. My n- international stuff is all pretty pretty good. I've got over, about 9,000 hours. My skydiving flying, that's kind of some, I don't know, because you know, you do that a whole summer and you know, you make 30 takeoffs and landings on Saturday and sometimes it's hard to keep track. It's easier nowadays than computer, but. Yeah, keep logging. That's good. I mean, not that it's bad if you don't. I mean, I know some people are like, I've been instructing for 50 years. I don't keep a logbook anymore. It's like, all right, yeah, that's fair. I suppose you can do that. That's just their BS way of being lazy. They Secretly, they really wish they knew <laughs> that number. I wish, I'd, I wish <laughs> I had taken done a really good job of calculating how many landings I have. Because flying skydivers, you know, thousands and thousands of landings. And I don't, I've got a wild guess. Not at all accurate. What does your uh, company fly for skydivers? We've got a super van, a grand caravan with a 900 horse Garrett on it, which is awesome. <laughs> We've had twin otters before in the pack and Cessnas and a beaver. And these days it's the caravan, which is super fun to fly. I wanted to see if it was the caravan because I used to fly in Florida. There was a skydiving, you know, place at one of the airports that I frequented during, you know, my training. And I remember seeing them come in and it's like, wow, that was like the steepest approach I've ever seen. But like the landing was perfect. It's like, I don't even know how you made that plane do that. But wow, that was so cool. Yeah, it was probably one of the ones, the Texas Turbine, the Garrett on it. Coming down 6,000 feet a minute. Yeah, it certainly looked like that. That was so weird. Getting checked out in that plane was so strange because you, you know your first landing in it you know your guide training is like get closer get closer you know aim right at the airport you're like we're still at three thousand feet where you know we're almost at the end of the runway i'm like i'm not even gonna touch touch the runway let alone land on it goes actually you're short still way i'm short yeah i'm right over the end of the runway and the thing is with the caravan when you're flying skydivers when all the people are gone and there's no gas in it there's no mass and as soon as you lift the nose a little bit, that speed just falls away. Huh. Oh crap! I gotta, I gotta add power. I thought it was high and fast, and actually short. Interesting. Form. It's fun. Huh. <laughs> no wonder they come down like that. I just thought they were having fun. Yeah. Which maybe. <laughs> oh, we are too. But then, <laughs> when you're flying skydivers, speed is yeah. everything. You know, I time every load. You know, be, so from takeoff to landing, to fourteen thousand feet. With a full load, I'm usually doing 12 to 13 minutes up to down. Yeah, and you're 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 coming in as tight as you possibly can and slamming on the reverse. You're coming in just fast, and that's what's fun. You know, it's like I like flying skydivers. <laughs> it's a hoot. Dropping meat bombs. <laughs> I still run the jump. Dropping meat bombs. Yeah, it's like dropping regular bombs, but 
normal bombs are flying around the pattern when you're coming <laughs> in to land. <laughs> oh, cookie. Like, Get out of my way, dang it. <laughs> oh, jeez. I almost ran into a skydiver once. They drifted over to the runway side where they weren't supposed to be. They weren't supposed to be over there. And uh, I was there, so that was cool. I didn't get super close, but close enough is like, that's a person. I'm in a plane, and I could just, you know, like, miss me, you know? It's, it was a little bit of a worrying moment. I got really close in free fall one time. The plane was very oh, close geez. to me, like 100 <laughs> feet. I was filming a down watch this. I think it was an arrow go, well, like, jeez. We have Adam do you talk about how you wanted to write down some of these stories so that you would well, want to remember them and be able to share them, it sounds like. But what does that process look like for you? How did you start down the road of actually putting this into a book? Basically, to start was just start writing. You know, just kind of writing it down, you know, after a bit. It's like kind of going, this is kind of forming up this story. I mean, I always kind of liked writing in school, you know, writing short stories and stuff. And I, you know, that that was really the scariest part about writing the, writing the book was... Not that I didn't have good stories. I I knew I had good stories. It's crazy. You know, people find them entertaining. But that I wouldn't be a good writer. You know, it's like, we've all read that book. It's like, that guy's got a great story, but he writes like a third grader. It's, how That's did me. you turn that great story <laughs> into just this pile of trash? And, uh, you know, after the first couple stories, I showed it to my dad, my wife, and they said, That's really good. Here's some things that maybe change. And just kind of kept going. And after a while, it turned into a book. Did it all myself. My my dad gave me some, you know, he was kind of like my original editor, and then my wife did the rest of it, and we self-published it all. You know, I, I had a, a book deal when I was on the TV show. Yeah, I did it all ourself, and uh, it's worked great. And the, the first book, Fairy Pilot, was, in my opinion, a phenomenal success because, I mean, if I sold one book to a stranger, I thought that, was, that would be cool. It's been thousands and thousands of books and been on all podcasts and AOPA, uh, uh, speeches at Sun and Fun and presentations at Sun and Fun and in Oshkosh. And uh, they did an Air Safety Institute of the story I told you about blowing into the tank. Yeah. Um, if you go on AOPA's Air Safety Institute on YouTube, they did a whole little movie oh, on that. Did they really? Oh, I, I don't know if I've yeah, seen that one. It's, it's, it's really good. They, they hired an actor to play young me, which is <laughs> they crazy. They didn't let you do it. <laughs> well, I'm not young me anymore. Yeah. You get if you're in a close up here, I got I'm not twenty six. There's nothing anymore. that little make of can fix. <laughs> yeah, so it's been a lot of fun. Well, who would they get to play? Anybody good? I told them I shouldn't get Tom Cruise because he still looks good, but <laughs> I was gonna Mike, did you get to make like suggestions? Like Yeah, I did. I narrated the thing. So Matt is gonna watch Tom Cruise yes. play you in this video now. Yeah. <laughs> So you said TV show, so we got to hear about that. After I'd been ferrying about 11, 12 years, you know, got married, had kids, realized that if the way things were going, I was pretty good chance I was going to orphan them. So I quit flying, very flying for a while, took up my safe job of skydiving. Then after, you know, I think about a 10-year break, the Discovery Channel called and said, you want to be on a TV show about ferry pilots? I said, yeah, that'd be cool. So I did. <laughs> it was pretty wild. It was a lot of fun. Real that was even scarier than putting out a book because you know this TV show is called Dangerous Flights and they had a bunch of I think six or seven pilots that they would 
put us together. You have you gotta have two pilots in the cockpit so you can argue. <laughs> or I'm just like, see them like I sit there like <laughs> And they had cameras all over the plane and inside the cockpit and they follow you around and do everything. It was none of it scripted. It was a lot of fun. It was hard work. You realize that you have to be an actor when you're a reality show star because even though they try to record everything, a lot of times they'll you'll something will happen when the cameras are off. They go, wait, wait, wait. Have that conversation again. And like, oh, you got to be an actor. <laughs> the scary part was you fly the real trips, flying across the, you know, around the world. Mm-hmm. And every single thing you do is going to be put on TV in front of millions of people. So if you make a mistake, everybody's going to see it. If you stall a jet over at, over Russia, everybody's going to see it. Because I did that. I was going to say that's a very specific example that you just. Yeah, <laughs> there's probably a story behind that. Yeah, I didn't have a type rating in the jet then, and so we, we were uh, we were coming out of Vladivostok, and we'd lost our pressurization, and I was I was flying, and Captain you know, my co-pilot tells me you know level off, he's trying to fix pressurization, and you know I I got my mask on and I got. ATC bitching at me to keep climbing because an Airbus is coming and all kinds of stuff's happening. I'm hand flying because that's that's my go-to. I'm an old guy. I'm not a technology dude. <laughs> you know, I, I, don't, I don't immediately go to the autopilot. I just fly the plane. And he says, put on autopilot. And I go, okay, hang on. He goes, do it now. And he punched it in. And I go, slow down. And he slapped the throttle down to idle. And I'm like, okay, well, now I'm not really flying anymore. And now I'm just sitting here. And I didn't do my job, which is supposed to be monitoring all the injuries. Even though you're just sitting there, you're supposed to be watching what's happening, not watching what he's doing and not talking on the radio. Yeah. And it's so weird in a jet that even at idle, it's everything's so quiet when you get the noise canceled headsets. It got slower and slower and slower and I didn't notice it all. So, beep, 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 stall, stall. Oh, gee. Yeah, that's, that was a little embarrassing. Whoops, but at easy. least a couple million people got to see me. So there's that. <laughs> Silver lining? Question mark. <laughs> I'm sure people were like, "Whoa! Oh my god! Yeah. No! What's like, that? You know? Yeah, I was like, tell the producers, can you cut that out? They're like, are you kidding? That's gold. <laughs> this is going to sound maybe not the way I intended, but how did they um, pick you to to be on the show? Uh, I didn't want it to sound like why they picked you. That's, that's not right. How I was right. To well, actually, actually, they I they put an ad out in. Beach Talk, which is a Beechcraft Oilers sure. chat room, looking for fairy pilots. You want to be on TV. So they didn't really come to me initially. I sent them an email, and then they got back to me. It was a weird thing because they didn't really have that many fairy pilots because there aren't that many in the first place, and then there's not that many that do very many, more than one or two, and then of those, there are not that many that are A, available, or B, good on camera. So, yeah, it was kind of weird because when I first uh, I did a Zoom audition and I screwed that up because I was <laughs> very wooden and cruddy and not funny and, and they didn't call me back. I figured, well, I blew that. And then all of a sudden, one day they said, can you fly Navajo to Argentina leaving tomorrow? <laughs> uh, uh, like, sure. <laughs> no, I don't have any Navajo time. I've never been in one. Okay. <laughs> and I hadn't ferry flown for 10 years, so that was kind of scary because... At least they have me with an experienced guy. Oh, wait, they didn't. I was an experienced guy. <laughs> Is that the part where they write in the description, veteran, pilot, carry, yada, yada, yada? 
that's from this. It's in the episode description. I'm pretty sure of it. Uh, yep. Truly a multimedia man. There we go. I am famous worldwide. I get mobbed by fan all the time. Fan singular. Fan singular. <laughs> One guy will say, I know you. It happens once a year. We have the same problem. His name is Badger Pilot. <laughs> we got our one problem? guy that... no no he's not a problem he's a great guy actually he is a perfect guy have you really so <laughs> sounds familiar he, he posts in the facebook group sometimes i see your post That's probably right. so, yeah. and i see his yeah. post which means that perhaps there is crossover and badger implies wisconsin so you two must know each other being in the same state okay probably i'm pretty well known literally tens of people around the world know who i am <laughs> You've added two this evening. Oh, big deal in Canada. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I've, I've, the, the show was very, actually really popular everywhere except the United States. In the, the rest of the world, it was very, it was one of Discovery Channel's main shows. So literally, if I go in Canada or around the world, people recognize me there a lot. In the U.S., uh, Discovery Channel didn't pick it up, so it was on the Smithsonian Channel. So okay, not quite as big a deal. It was on Quest TV in the cities for a long time. Okay. <laughs> It's made in some guy's basement in like little Canada. <laughs> yeah, something like that, yeah. He's got some sort of connection to the Shoreview Tower and just pushes it out. Pretty much. <laughs> all right. Got so, all VHS tapes. He put movies that he puts on. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so you self-published the first book and you said you sold thousands of copies. It sounds like you've been successful with it. Yeah, yeah. I think I've probably sold, I don't know, 25,000, 30,000 copies. Wow. Wow. That's awesome. Up to almost... Two million pages read on Kindle Unlimited, which is that's just I, it, I'm I'm floored. I get I send out a lot of books, a lot of signed copies all over the world, um, especially Christmas time. I send out books like crazy, signed copies and stuff. And it's pretty wild, yeah. And so and then this, you know, once that one did, then I wrote Dangerous Flights, which is pretty much about the TV show. Okay. Um, even though it was a TV show, stuff still happens because they're all real flights and we almost is got it? killed a bunch of times there too. So that was good. That begs a question for me. Um, if you don't like the question and it's going to be a problem, just tell me to cut it. Uh, <laughs> sure. The Discovery Channel, um, what are their thoughts on you writing a book on your time on, on the show? Is there, and I guess I asked, like, do they have like any type of like NDAs they make you do about like this is our our thing and can't go to your I own side them. thing or? Okay. No, I asked them. I, they said no problem. One of the biggest questions was, did they mind if I use the title? Because the Dangerous Flights was the yep. name of the TV show. Yeah, and they said, no, no problem. Um, I didn't throw them under the bus too much. I tried to be nice to my my uh, my co-pilots. Yeah. <laughs> throw them under the bus too. Too much. You know, I'm actually going skiing with two of them here next month. Well, I haven't, I haven't seen them since I wrote the book. Maybe they're setting me up for uh, lynching. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Just, grief. We can see the article now. Carrie yeah. Macaulay has a terrible skiing accident. <laughs> yeah. So you've written two. Do you have any plans for more? I do. I have a <laughs> novel that's done and I'm editing fiction, basically about a black hot crew chief in Afghanistan. I have a third memoir that I'm almost done with, which is basically all the crazy stuff I did before I started flying. I used to I used to ride freight trains out to the West Coast with the hobos. That was exciting. Oh my gosh. Stuff like that. Yeah, like I said, I'm I'm not well. If you're riding freight trains with the hobos, does that make you also a hobo? 
Yes. Okay. That's just, that's just, <laughs> name of the book, Urban Hobo, you know? So, is it really? Suburban kids hop free trains and literally we're hanging out with the hobos. You are a hobo. We're doing that stuff. And, uh, and you know, I, I plan on continuing to write. I'm really enjoying it. I have a lot of fun. Um, I probably, I'll probably write another memoir about my skydiving career because that was just as crazy. And then I'll continue with the, with the fiction end of things. So that's a lot of fun. I have a lot of a lot of aviation in there. If you write half as good as you speak, I think they will all be wonderful. Give fairy pile to your students because that will teach them a I lot was, on how I to. I was thinking about with... it as you were talking about like, oh yeah, students these days don't know how to deal with emergencies. I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna give those to my students, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> I've I've had a lot of a lot of CFIs have given their books to the students, and they say that works. It, it's really helpful. It's it's like getting a thousand hours worth of experience. Because you can't, oh, sure, you can't go out and have these incidences, but you can read about them. That's why I love the Air Safety Institute video so much. Like I've watched oh. not all of them, but most of them, and like my students have seen a lot of them, simply because it it's like being there almost and learning from that experience very well without actually going through whatever disaster happened to, you know, occur in that. I absorb everything like that I can. I've watched them all. I've read. I read tons of books. Even the you know, you can learn even from military memoirs and stuff. You know, because it's like being in the cockpit with, them. and you know, learn from the mistakes of others. You'll never learn live long enough to make them all yourselves. Very true. Yeah, there you go. It's yours now. Very bad read. <laughs> so I think it's time to ask you the question that I know that I've been waiting to ask you. Do you, sir, have an unpopular aviation opinion you'd like to share with us? People don't get killed scud running because they fly too low. It's because they fly too high. Yeah. Because when you're scud running, most people are afraid of the ground. So they fly as high as they can to get away from the ground because I'm scared. So they drag their tail beacon through the, through the undercast. And if they screw up a little bit, invert an IMC. And that's bad. That's where people get killed. If you get caught scud running i'm not saying go out and go scud running kids but if you get an inadvertent scud running incident fly as low as you can maintain visual contact and turn around and get the heck out of it. don't fly up where you can't see that is my unpopular opinion i feel like that's just wisdom <laughs> i'm sorry <laughs> like <laughs> is it smart no but do you never know yeah you know, that's kind of one of the things, and I, I actually think scud running or dealing with situations like that should be taught in private pilot course because everybody says about stuff like that, just don't do it. If it's even marginal, just don't do it. Well, guys get killed every year because they do that. They don't necessarily do it on purpose, but they find themselves in that situation, and they have no idea what to do. They don't think that, slow down, put your flaps down, crawl along, you know, at, at 150 feet, you know, new a nice gentle turn. Land, put it on the ground. Don't just keep flying and run into a hill. You know, I mean, I have a lot of thoughts on this. <laughs> Lucky where this I is going. I taught my kids how <laughs> Are all your kids pilots? Yeah. That's so awesome. Oh, how cool. Pilots and skydivers. A hearty combo. Are they ferry pilots yet? <laughs> No, my they both. Well, actually, Claire, my daughter, she got to go with me on a ferry flight on the TV show. I got her on the TV show, which was awesome. Oh, that's fun. I got to yell at her and argue with her on TV. 
Now, did the audience know now, that you were two were related or was it, you know? Oh, oh okay. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. Yep. And it's funny. If you do watch the, you can see all the episodes of Dangerous Flights on YouTube. Remember, if you watch them, it's all real except one part, but I won't tell you. You'll have to read the book. Um, but oh. the acting is a little, it's a little over dramatized because it's not for pilots. And I've come off as the jerk on the show because the producer said, remember, Carrie, the audience, the audience either has to love you or hate you. Just don't be boring. I said, dibs on jerk. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I got, I yelled at my daughter a lot on TV, <laughs> but she, so she got to be a ferry pilot from Europe. We flew a Bonanza from Uruguay to South Carolina and my son really wants to do it, but we'll see. That's so awesome. I'll take him on a trip someday. Uh-huh. I love the hook that you threw in there too, by the way, with the, oh, you got to read the book for the rest of the story. Got to read the book. <laughs> Dangerous flights. That's how you get them. One, one part of one episode is fake. I won't tell you what. <laughs> the rest is all completely real. Got to read the book. But over-dramatized. Oh, boy. It's it's painful to watch sometimes. <laughs> if they don't hurry, they'll have to land dun, 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 at night. <laughs> no, don't make me fly at night. Oh, we'll yeah. surely perish. My student. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no, it's nighttime. Whatever shall we do? I love stuff like that. Uh, like air disasters. Sometimes just goes down. so wild with them. And so a lot of those disasters, you know, are, were really intense, but some of the acting is just like, you know, yeah. and it's like, I, yeah, I'm, I'm really sure that the pilots definitely acted like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, we got to see, we got to see me be really scared once. So on that, one of my biggest fears, you know, ferry flying is having the airport shut down in Greenland when you're past the point of no return. Ooh. And that happened on camera. And we were flying from Iceland to Narsasarak, which is on the southern tip of Greenland. And just before we got there, we got a handoff from an airliner said, hey, they just called, wanted you to know that the airport's closed. Like, <laughs> we didn't have enough gas to get back to Iceland, and we barely had enough gas to get back get to a different airport in Greenland. And that one was probably going to close any second. And it was like, this might be really bad. We might die tonight. Yeah, so. But they closed the airport. They just didn't. Want to hang out with you or what? No, the uh, ceilings went down. Okay, oh. that that particular airport's way say. way down in a in a fjord. Okay, and, and so it's a really scary approach because you're you're literally going down in between mountains and it's a zero. You can't do a go around there because it ends at the ice cap, so it's kind of a hole you find. So one of the most one of the ten most dangerous airports in the world. It's beautiful, but it's very very unforgiving. So if you have the Clouds roll in, and it was unforecasted. We've been waiting for three days for good weather, and finally yeah. it was nice, and and that came out of nowhere. Wow. And you'll have to read the book to see if I die. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what happens. Uh-uh. That line is 100% staying in the podcast, so it's not going to cost anything. <laughs> oh, that is so good. Uh-oh. Well, before we wrap up, is there anything else that you can think of that we sh- you want to cover that we haven't asked here that you want to talk about? Any plugging of the books that you want to do any further? Yeah, sure. Uh, you know, they're both available on Amazon. Uh, either search under Karen Colley or Ferry Pilot or Dangerous Flights. Or if you want a signed copy, you can go to my website, CarrieMcCauley.com. I'll sign and dedicate it to you or whoever you want and send it right out. So Awesome. That is very yeah. cool. Stay tuned for book number three coming up. Sure will. Oh, yeah. 
And if you're in the Minneapolis area, come on, go skydiving with us. We'll throw you out of a reasonably good airplane. Not I don't want you to turn me into a, a meat bomb. You used that term very loosely <laughs> earlier, and I have no desire to be exploded on the ground. But it's so funny when we throw you out because the screen goes, ah. That's what I would do. It really does. It's I'd hilarious. <laughs> oh, and cheese. So, Carrie, we can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast. You've been so fun to talk to. Um, wish you all the success in the world with your two books and the third one on the way. Thanks a lot for having me, you guys. It was a lot of fun, and uh, see you next time. Yeah. All right. Oh, stay tuned for Thanks. episode two when his third book comes out. There you there go. There we go. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. And then you can find out if he dies or not. Yeah. <laughs> I might well, get killed in that one, too. <laughs> Who knows? The suspense is killing me. <laughs> oh, geez. All right. Thanks so much, Gary. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, guys. <laughs> Well, it took two episodes, but we got our interview with Carrie McCauley sent out to all of you. Hope you enjoyed hearing more about Carrie's stories and his adventures with the Discovery Channel and even his experiences flying with his uh, daughter. And if you are a capable and rated pilot, Carrie's looking for somebody to fly with him over at his uh, skydiving enterprise over in Wisconsin. Also, if you are not a capable and rated pilot or you just like books a lot, Carrie has two books, Fairy Pilot and Dangerous Flights, are out now and available for purchase on his website, carriemccauley.com. I'm not spelling it out. You can see it in the show notes. <laughs> and it will be there for sure. Probably. In the blooper. No, I think I'm going to leave that right in the episode. <laughs> Let it fly. Anyone want to ask me what the next episode is about? No. What's the I, next I, episode about? But I really want to tell everyone. Well, Trevor asked. So our next episode will feature John Zimmerman. He is the president of Sporty's Pilot Shop. Maybe you've heard of it. He's also the host of their podcast, Pilot Discretion. Everyone knows what Sporty's is. And if you don't, you're living under some kind of aviation rock. What's Sporty's? <laughs> Trevor doesn't know what Sporty's is. It is a um, pilot supply shop. Please don't be listening to this, John, because this is certainly not how we would advertise uh, oh, you're, Sporty's. You're talking about Sporty's Pilot Shop? Yeah, that, that's the one. That's pretty cool. I still have an old poster of a Cessna 172 that was right in front of the Sporty's Pilot Shop. Oh, yeah. Oh, Airport that's, down in yeah. Ohio. How'd you like that? How like what? Them apples. Asking what is Sporty's? Oh, Sporty's Pilot Shop. I'm no. so confused. Oh. <laughs> Are you asking how I liked how you did that? Yes. Okay, oh. that, I enjoyed that. We could, because I thought... it's like Sporty's, what's Sporty's? And then you start explaining Sporty's like, oh, that that's Sporty's. Yeah. Okay. I got. I'm picking it up now. You're My brain is up? not working right. Yep. I, I got it. I think we're going to use that. That's <laughs> the sporties, Trevor. That's the same one. The one, the only sporties pilot shop. I've spent so much money there. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's actually. Oh no, I don't get my sectional from there. They won't give me sectionals, so I might have to razz them about that a little bit. Oh. Uh, I mean, they, Maddie... they they're a business. They're not just going to give them to you. Expired sectionals, they literally can't do anything else with them other than throw them away or give them away. Maybe they give but, them away to flight schools to for training purposes. That's a good idea. I should try that angle. But they already have my email. <laughs> I don't know. But I that, get them from the other place that sells them. It's technically could sell them for training, but they wouldn't. Yeah, yeah they wouldn't. They would give them to me. So I might have to razz them about it. Just, Just wait till we're at the end of the interview so we have what we need before we ruin our relationship. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not going to piss them off before <laughs> okay. we, we have our content. No, 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 no. I know better. All right. Should we do the things we say to get out of here? Yes. Or do we have anything else to say? 
Oh, I could find something, Egg? but I probably should stop. Oh, well, gentlemen, this has been fun, but it's late. We're all tired. It is. So. So how about this? If you like what we're doing with the podcast, uh, share with friends, family, coworkers, neighbor's dog. Check us out on any of our social medias. And if you've got any ideas or want to be a guest on the podcast, you can reach out to us on those social media accounts or email us at flyingmidwestpodcast at gmail.com. Also, we have merch, and it's super cool, and you should totally buy it and wear it. Yeah, not as many people have been buying merch as I would like lately, so um, yeah, check it out. Yeah, what Trevor. <laughs> Sorry, texting with the fizzdo. He's asking more questions. See, oh, that's, no. a, that's a trap. <laughs> it's a trap, Trevor. That's hilarious. That's how they get you. That's funny. I see that you've uh, taken yourself away from the angle of asking for a friend and just you, you're just owning it now. He's a friend, so. Oh, well, that's fair then. All right. Well, I didn't think that you just went 1-800-FISDO and hit text and hope for the best. I knew, I, thought you knew, <laughs> I figured you knew somebody. <laughs> and if nothing else, maybe Turner gave you the number of somebody. I don't know. Next episode, we should have Turner on for just a quick second. Say, uh, hey, Trevor, heard you, uh, you heard something. Here's a phone number. April is coming right up, so. Oh, that's true. Well, now our second mention of uh, Turner in this episode will make up for the fact that we haven't done it for three straight, so. There we go. Should we get out of here? We probably should. <laughs> yeah, we all look, you especially, Maddie, we all look pretty tired. All right, well. Until next time. I wasn't expecting that. You sprung it on me. I should have been, but I wasn't. I tried again. It's lingering there like a. Like You're just a... waiting. <laughs> All right, fine. It's like a handshake. All right. He's just like, got like, a, like a sticky fart. He's just got it extended. <laughs> He's just lingering, waiting for someone to reciprocate. All right, fine. Uh, until see next it. time. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> so until next time, see ya. See ya. Oh, God, Maddie. See ya. Thanks so much for joining us on the Flying Midwest Podcast. Until next time, podcast service terminated, Squawk VFR, frequency change approved. Good day.